Welcome to the T's and C's. Tisa and Chantel. Also known as the Terms and Conditions. And this is a general election reflection. With Ez. Hi. We are... Disillusioned, upset, annoyed, pissed off. I was just about to say that. Every morning I wake up and... You and George have sent me like various links of some fuckery of what like politicians, journalists, commentators have said about the general election. I can't. Also, we're at week two. We can't be this exasperated, guys. Like we have to keep going. We've got to be realistic, I think. And I think we need to be like this country has done nothing but show the level of idiocracy of its people mm. this year. We know that we're everyone's an idiot isn't it so we need we need to um i feel like we need to tailor our our view to the fact that actually everyone's an idiot so what would idiots do in this situation how are we going to combat that in from a realistic standpoint i know what you mean but i'd say to you as i don't necessarily think it's the people in quotation whoever the people are we imagine them to be i think the thing that upsets me more than anything is seeing how people that have had these elite educations that they've apparently got the highest qualifications that apparently the best people to be members of parliament how they act how they act and their total inability to connect with what every day is like my thing is values right where are values set right so in the corporation values are set from the top right these are meant to be our leaders people we choose to represent us and their values as it seems are fucked they've got no loyalty so for example we have that labor guy leaving and telling Tory voters to vote Tory against Labour. And I'm saying, where are these people's values, man? And if you you translate to a street level, they complain when kids act badly. But these people, all of them across the board, are acting atrociously, and I think well. But they're just playing a game of monopoly. So, and I feel like anyone with with a bit of sense can look at that and has. That's not new. I feel like what they're just churning is just reinventing the wheel. It's just they're doing what they've always done. I feel like the it's got to a really politically the climate that we're in not just in this country, but around the world now, that it's dangerous now. It's now become dangerous. Okay, mm-hmm. this is this has been happening. It's not new. I don't think it's new behaviours. I don't think it, they, these are new ideas even. But I think, okay, if you look at like, what's happening globally, this has got dangerous now. Mm-hmm. So my view is, let's not, let's not waste time looking at them and let's waste time investing into what they're doing because they're always going to be doing what they're doing. But how amongst the community, amongst the everyday average man, can we raise the stakes of our expectations? But you see, this is the thing. By behaving the way they behave, it makes people switch off and disengage from politics. So mm. how people do do that yeah. is by not voting yeah. and staying at home saying, yeah. and saying, fuck you. And so Brexit is the ultimate manifestation of a fuck you, right? Yeah. We've tried that and it hasn't worked. There's several things we need to do, but first of all, we're saying to people, like, the people who have elected to become politicians, fix the fuck up, man. Mm. Like, in the 1960s, the Daniel Bell spoke of the death of ideology, right? So ideology was, was falling by the wayside. So these people don't have a, a pla- an, an idea to follow anymore. It's all about maintaining the status quo and getting out, basically out for themselves, right? That needs to stop. Because... Because you've been out for yourself for so long, we've got Boris Johnson, we've got Trump, we've got there are a million other populists all around the world doing exactly the same thing, and they don't give two fucks about anyone. So we need to get back to the idea of people having ideas and plans for society, 
mapping out things how things should go. Because right now, we've seen how neoliberalism is fucking up the world, man. But how do we do... So I feel like, obviously, in this room, with the three of us who are obviously switched onto that idea and really on board with that, we can have discussions about what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. How does that map out? Because I'm still... I'm sorry, call me the pessimist, but I'm still pretty convinced that Tories are going to get in. Oh, listen. Um, right, so it's about having that dialogue with people that we don't dialogue with, right? Mm. So that means me speaking to fucking some pretty people that I don't really get along with, man, and they don't really get along with me. We don't see eye to eye, but we need to speak because at the moment we're, so, we're gulfs apart. Yeah. And this polarisation hasn't yeah. helped. The thing with polarisation, it takes time. Last weekend, last Saturday, I went to the Labour campaign launch in Battersea. It's my local constituency. And I went with Karis Campion. Big up. Campion! Whoop, whoop, whoop! Big up, Campion! <laughs> uh, big up, Karis. My partner came as well. And we went to sort of the canvas in training. And basically, like, overall, it was good. As I've said before, like, want to be a critical friend of, like, I think for people that care about changing the way the country is organised and I think you've got to vote for someone like Labour, to be honest. Like, I, don't, I, I think there's a lot wrong with them. Anyway, but let's leave, let's leave that at that for now. Anyway, so we went to this canvassing training. One of the things that me and my partner picked up on in particular was how they kept sort of dismissing, because we're a swing seat, they kept dismissing when you knock on the door and it's obvious <coughs> that they're going to be a Tory voter, that you're not going to change their mind. And I was like, well, no, my partner was actually like, I don't think the way we change this is by dis- necessarily dismissing those people. I'm not saying that their views are in line with what we necessarily want, but though it is, as you say, T, it is those di- conversations with people that are not within our day-to-day lives that we have to convince effectively basically within the way the voting system works like those people are pretty important mm. um me and Karis sort of com- like sort of confirmed between the two of us that we probably aren't going to be the people that can but, that can convince like fucking do you, but do you remember i said from a podcast ages ago it's about hearing what these people are saying right yeah and and truly having that, that open dialogue listen i i've spoken to people who i disagree with fundamentally and vice versa and but it's about trying because if we don't try we end up in a situation where we are now and we're gulfs apart. They don't understand what it's like in the end, but they'll never do because they'll, they'd rather listen to someone from the Daily Mail explain to him what, where I live. But oftentimes, and I, don't shoot me for saying this, <laughs> but oftentimes I genuinely think that they are not intelligent enough to comprehend listen, what I'm saying. Listen, and some, and some of them are, but some of them aren't, right? But it's, it's, it's like a whole gamut. So you'll speak to people and you'll be surprised. Sometimes all they want to do is just to be heard, right? Yeah. That's all they want to do is to be heard. And equally, and sometimes they, they say... So they're willing to bring down this country, bring take away the NHS, drive us to the shits, which is where we're at. They're willing to drive us further into this pit because they just want to be heard. No, no, right. So for, for them, remember I told you, but it's, it's trying to understand the psychology of it all, right? So... The, 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 how this country was decolonised was at the top. It was managed by the elites. So people at the bottom never really understood what decolonisation meant. Come 2016, after all the narratives have been pumped in the head of you being number one, you being number one with your back against the wall, you were an empire, and when you did have to rescue yourself, you did it by yourself. Even though this is not re- a reality. Yeah, even when it's what they believe. It's what they believe. Yeah. It's what they've been jumping into their heads. So now, in 2016, all of a sudden, they've got a chance to say, listen, we want to be number one again. And the things that brought us down was us losing an empire or us, look, whatever the reasons they've kind of hooked onto, right? But that is such a powerful narrative. And you can see how Boris Johnson and Nigel Farage have played on that and played on those war epithets all the time. We also have to be careful, and I, 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 I am 
cautious of saying this in the open space, obviously this is going to be put out there, but I think it is important to note and say we have to be careful of the kind of, the rise within minoritised communities of this kind of idea of one day belonging to the 1% and working our way up the ladder and protecting the our right, like all that argument on Twitter the other day about taxis and people from real working class backgrounds saying no, the, the rich shouldn't be taxed and with this idea or this belief that yeah. they're one day going to be part of that group. Yeah. Oh my God, Es, no, I totally agree. And this is another thing that came up at the canvassing, like we were sort of talking about things that people might say and obviously more recently like John McDonnell and Jeremy Corbyn have been talking about how like it's not a good society if there are billionaires mm. and like fundamentally if you look at the detail of course that's true yeah. but people see that as an attack on business and entrepreneurial spirit or whatever that means and we were sort of talking about how that might be something that comes up on the doorstep labor activists were a bit like yeah we'll just say just say like exactly what john mcdonald said like that's not a fair society if that's if some if so many people have got that much wealth and we're like yeah but actually when it comes down to it people really believe in this notion of meritocracy yeah. and if you work hard you deserve to not be taxed you deserve that money like in and everyday you've, life, you've been in, sold that dream so when you you're dream. working towards it for your whole life yeah so so so, so actually breaking down I know, but you, those but, beliefs is really difficult it's, it's, it's i agree with what they're saying i don't believe there should be billionaires but people really believe I know, that but wealth should be protected i know but what you have to understand you have to put it and a, their mum's not got, not got no the key and gas on them but, but if you put in a person level right mm-hmm. if you put in a person level if i've worked hard and you say to someone give me some because they see on a, in a person level, they're looking at ideologically they're looking at structurally but that's what this this society promotes do you see yeah. what i'm saying so it's like we're fighting a war on many fronts we i feel that like in as much as i'm talking about the person that is too unintelligent to even grasp the concepts that we're talking about there's that person there's the person that is has can kind of comprehend what i'm saying but actually they believe in this capitalist dream of one day they're going to be millionaires and they want to protect their generational wealth for their however many generations to come then you've got the person that the mp and the the elite that actually they're just playing games because it's not affecting them too tough either way so we've got so many different fronts that this war's being fought on my view is in this time period, between now and, what is it, December 12th, mm-hmm. what can we practically do, like, on a very tangible, realistic level, what can be done in order to mitigate cause what I feel is the inevitable right. Tories getting in Sh- the five years? Chantel's probably the best person to speak about tactical voting and stuff like that. If you're going to talk tactically, it's about getting people out to vote, right? Because your vote counts. One of the big, big tactics of Labour, and this is worth our listeners um, bearing this in mind as well, is postal voting, um, so actually, when it comes to polling day, most parties, and obviously in particular the Labour Party, are really heavily on the back foot, mm. as well as being not having the polling being against Labour. Also, a lot of Tory voters, and look, let's be real as well, like a big proportion of Tory voters are middle-aged, older, have money, yeah. have savings, yeah. have houses, and are not the working class, it is those people. So these people, they postal vote. They put that is how they vote. So mm. on the so on the day we're already on the back foot. So big, big tactic and important tactic I think of Labour's is to when you're canvassing, when you're talking to people, is to get them to do their postal vote and you can do that now. Yeah. Um, it's also registering young people to vote. It's one of the things that me and Caris were saying that we were going to do in our constituency is speak to young people, people that are newly turned eighteen. Um, because there is a lot of them. There's a lot of yeah. those people. If those people 
vote on polling day or do the postal vote, we have a chance at at least a coalition, I think. I don't think we can get a majority within... The right have won the culture war. They have won the culture war, in my opinion. I think you could definitely make an argument to say that it's not... The war isn't over, but I believe they've won the culture war. The fact that Jacob Rees-Mogg can say on fucking national radio that people were not educated enough to leave a burning building, that shows you where the fuck we are when it comes to class politics right now. When it comes to the politics of society, that is where we fucking are. So the bar is fucking low. We have to think, as you say, Ez, how can we mitigate? The way we can mitigate, I think, is what sort of more left-wing academics that sort of deal in polling and statistics are saying to do, is saying it's more likely to happen, is on a more positive horizon is a Labour coalition, perhaps with the SNP, which would obviously bring about a Scottish referendum, which I'm not convinced that they would win this time and perhaps we'd get an independent Scotland. No one can say, no one can say what's gonna happen. We've still got another five weeks to go, but there are things that we can do. There are things that we can do within our individual lives. And I think for us three in the room, it is gonna be young people. That is that's our that's our tactics. I don't talk to anyone. You're gonna have to. <laughs> You're gonna have to. Tea. And we have to. Th- and I was saying to my partner, like, you need to go talk to your peers. He's a white guy. I was like, your peers are the ones because they're the ones that like we said last week. Like, people that say, I can't, I can't vote, I can't vote for Corbyn, I can't vote for Corbyn, but I can't vote for Boris, but I'll probably just vote for Boris. Fuck you. Yeah. Literally, fuck you. Like, it is so fucking bad right now. And you think that that fu- there's a there's an equivalence there. You think that there's an equivalence between a known, on-record, racist, classist, piece of shit, adulterist, serial liar is better than a guy that you don't really like? Yeah. Come on. But you know the reason why they don't like him, right? They call him a communist, right? My thing is, the question now isn't... We've got two options, Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? So the question now isn't whether or not I'm not the biggest... I, on a personal level, I do. I do really like Jeremy Corbyn. Mm. On a personal level, is he the best person to lead our country? I don't know. That's another conversation that we can have after the 12th. Between now and the 12th, that's not what we're... We're not get. We need to not be getting into conversations about Corbyn and that's who we're presented with. Mm-hmm. So... Are you telling me, are people actually going to tell me that they would rather Boris than Corbyn? Yeah. And if that That's is the case, if that is the reality, then... But no, but listen, but listen it, it, it ties into all those things you were talking about. The idea of the, idea of the free market, right? The idea of only... This, the, kind of the, the, the idea of being selfish, right? Cor- Boris Johnson's offering more of that to privatise free markets. Yeah, to, be, to build yourself. And they associate... What the media associated Corbyn with socialism, but not even socialism, worse than that. Communism, communism, right? And he's saying, so all the things we've built up, they're saying, he's going to take away from you. Yeah, I'm going to take and, them away from you because they fucking kill people. But it's not even about whether or not we agree with him. We like Whether we agree with him or not is not what we're talking about. It's are we going to choose Boris over him? So we can get into the politics of the left afterwards. We can get into is he too yes. far left afterwards. But between now and then, there's no competition. We, it's do or die. It's do or die. If, if Boris gets in for another five years, we're done. For, for, for us, we're done, right? We're, we're done. And I agree, we're done. But there's a certain group of people that see this as as a victory, right? As a, an ability to carry on the work of a market factor. The ability to trade as some kind of equal part. The ability to regain the lost status that they've been chasing for. 
this is a powerful narrative that you cannot underestimate. So there's certain people that see that as a liberation. And like I said, the EU is, is problematic in itself. It's not, it's not ideal. So this is an opportunity for people to get that. Someone like Nigel Farage in the background, winding it up, adding his sauce. Someone like Boris Johnson, who talks shit. He hasn't got a position. He flip-flops. One minute he's for the EU, next minute he's not he's for the EU. Power. He's just for himself. But, he's for, but, but listen, but they fall into the notion, and they, like most people, most, most nations are like this, the British like to be led, man. They like yeah, to well, be led. Good luck to a market man, Nigerian passport. Yeah. <laughs> listen. So ultimately, like I said, us three in a room, I... Uh, it's easy where we, where we stand, right? Yeah, of course. But equally, remember, 87% of this country is white, man. If you think you've seen people of colour and black people speaking on behalf of Boris already, if you think you've seen a level of that, you what's wait. That, you that wait, gonna have, you, that wait you wait for these knuckles. next five weeks. He will be bringing them out. Yeah. James Cleverly, you're a... Ch- Listen, there's three of you. There's three of you, yeah. right? James Cleverly, the other, I don't know the other geezer. Yes, yeah. him. And was that, no, 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 this other the young, black, young black guy, and he was talking with his knuckles, doing a David Cameron knuckle. And I even showed my mum, I was like, bro, why did you do that? Bro, why did you do that? Listen, if you ever, if, you, if I ever see you in the end, I'll, sh- bro, I'll shake you by your hand. No, <laughs> get me. Oh, thank you so much for joining us for that very heated general election reflection as cheers thanks for having me see you next week guys